0: To why, God, why?
1: Yeah, we've been, God, ugh, dealing with so many things. 2020,
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. you just say that, just 2020, and then everybody go, oh, oh yes.
1: Yeah, this because is I a I'm weird thing that's happening. I'm throwing people curve balls, people keep throwing me curve balls, you know, it's, it's getting real weird. First of all, hey, hey, I'm glad
0: to see you're doing well, golden shiny.
1: Yeah, I'm working on other animation forms, but this one's this one's pretty good.
0: It works on Zoom. Works surprisingly
1: yeah. well. Yeah, while you're social distancing from people, you know, I don't want to freak everyone out. I don't want people to think that I'm spreading the virus. It's definitely you guys. <laughs> Is that, have people accused
0: you of spreading the virus?
1: Well, I mean, I made it, but, uh, you know, it could have just come in, been there for a couple months and gone away. Had uh... You're not insisted. Just wear a mask. That's, I'm going to leave. I'm going to stop summing up and making things complicated. Yep. Wear a mask for a while
0: I think that's and you'll be fine. That's yeah. the takeaway. So our interstitial about that aside, let's just get right into what we're going to get into today mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a massive topic. Um, it carries a lot of gravity and it carries a lot of just questioning and things like that. Um we questioning about, in what way? Uh, questioning in like, well, to to give you the thesis statement here, this episode is going to be about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it's going to be about uh, basically the murder of George Floyd. It won't be about that, but it'll be about what has come after the murder of George Floyd on May 25th.
1: Yeah. And a very long list of others.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. And this is this is what I'm starting to get at with the questioning is like anything that is such a tidal wave, like the movement that has come in the past few weeks. We're recording this on June June 17th today. Um, so obviously, in the past three weeks or so, um, the world has changed. And uh, I think the questioning that I'm referring to is the questioning of like people like myself going, how can I how can I contribute to this movement in a positive way? How can I be an ally? Um, people also like myself and like many, many other people in the world who have not seen or just not, you know, not acknowledged the systemic racism that has infected Western culture for as long as Western culture has existed.
1: Well, let me ramble,
0: but I'm just saying. No, no, no. I
1: wanted to hear you out. You know, I will say to add to that, um, the world hasn't changed. People are exhausted. They are tired of things being exactly the way that they are, Mm -hmm. this nightmare experience. And, you know, the problem is, is just because people haven't been facing it day to day doesn't mean it hasn't been happening every single day. That's a much better way to phrase that. You're right, the world has
0: not changed, the world's been this way.
1: And the important thing about what is happening is the world right now is rising up and insisting that it changes, Mm -hmm. okay, because it can and it must. I am, as a creator, terrified by the amount of hate people can hold in their bodies and in their hearts for no reason. The things that I have seen people do to complete strangers, someone they've never met, they can go to the point of, of not only attacking them and murdering them, but dismembering them and, and acting from an aggressive place that is so painfully vile and full of hate. It, it scientifically is baffling. There, there, that doesn't, that doesn't exist anywhere except in humanity. There are not animals that kill other animals for anything other than food. They don't say that person looked at me funny. So I got to do that thing. Or that person is different from me and I, I don't want them to exist. Why do you think that humans have to have that capacity? They don't have to have it. They do have it. And it comes from fear. It comes from tribalism of attempting to protect your own kind out of a fear of scarcity. And a lot of the times also out of a... Just a lot of insecurities. It it comes down to ego. It comes, it's it's fear and ego is, is the main thing. You know, there's there's no reason for it. But well, before we dive into anything, let's let's jump right into bringing our guest on. Because yeah, I've,
0: I I am uh, chomping at the bit to bring our guest on. So a little bit about our guest. Uh, her name is Tanil Williams. She's a wonderful actress. Yeah, she's she dynamite. <laughs> I, she and I were children right in the rat with the bat yeah t- <laughs> what's up daniel well i was a mouse you were uh, a mouse i was a i gentleman. was not
2: a human being uh hi it's nice to see you and uh, nice to also talk to you god hi hi god
1: hi Tanil. <laughs> it's um, nice to actually talk talk to you other than just watch your life so it's a good life. Okay, you, should be okay. proud. you should be proud of the things that you're doing. I'm very excited. <laughs> I was very
0: nervous. Um, yeah. I was nervous for a moment there. Thank you for hanging out with us today and for chatting with us. Um obviously there was not <laughs> there was not too much farther that God and I could have gone on our own on that intro without without mm-hmm. bringing you in here.
2: Yeah, I was I was listening into to it about you know what this all is and um I, I I was thinking on this conversation I had with someone over, you know, via social media yesterday um, in which she did a post and she's like, you know, it, let, let's just, let it just be about like all lives mattering and like, let it be about just like the human race. And I said, no, you can't do that because this country America was founded on racism and it was founded on um, people of color not being considered equal ever. And when you and you, you you I've been hearing all of these things like the CEO of like Hobby Lobby being like oh my god I wish we could just have slaves again and it's like oh no like come on don't do that and what? I, I yeah yeah oh, so and I had a conversation with someone where I work uh, my, my day job and it was this woman and she said oh I love New Orleans it's so beautiful the plantations there are just so beautiful and she said this while I was working and I, you know, what I work, you can't really address those types of things. And I was like, ma'am, do you know what happened on those plantations? And she, and she just stopped and she goes, you're going to make me cry. Please don't, don't, don't. You're going to make me cry. And I'm like, no, you shouldn't say this. And then wow. she said, but the trees were so beautiful. And I, I stopped everything. I was like, I don't even care anymore. I said, I might, I might get fired. I said, ma'am, Do you know what happened on the trees? It's when you look at countries like Germany and where they are now, um, and what they had gone through with the Holocaust and everything. They're not proud of that part of their history, but Mm. Americans are very proud of the Confederate flag. They're proud. They they have all the monuments. When they built up those monuments, um, they were slaveholders. They weren't abolitionists. You know, it's there's pride in that. At the end of the day, when when Africans were taken from their land and they were, you know, a part of the slave trade, they didn't take slaves. They took creators and inventors. They took doctors and, and artists, you know, like we are powerful beings. You Like our race, Like we're very powerful. There's nothing like black girl magic or, or mm-hmm. black joy or black love. There's nothing like black excellence and people fear that and that's why in any given group there's always that like token black friend and I know I am that token black friend for a lot of people because in that show I was that token black person on stage and if there's more if there's an abundance of us like it's dangerous because at the end of the day when you're around black people and like a workplace setting nine out of ten you're not meeting their true selves Mm -hmm. and that they Mm -hmm. are they have code switched so heavily that you don't even know, like we don't even know each other, Zach. You know, because like the code switching is so heavy.
0: When you say code switching, is that basically the the way that it's people like the vernacular? Try to function in a white world.
2: It's like how relaxed, or like it's very professional. Like we are, it's not like we're not really relaxed um, when we're at work. Most most of the work that I do, or like anyone that I work with, do at any like any of our jobs is we work to exist in a white space Mm -hmm. safely Mm -hmm. um as opposed to we exist like we are at work to work we are working to work we're also working to exist in a safe space that's like the um it's like we don't use our like not using your vernacular we our hair like our hair they're the crown act just passed like two years ago you know so that was just to give us the safety to wear our hair the way it grows out of our head.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Um, so like whenever we code switch, it's just instead of being like, bruh, which is like how I would normally be like, bruh, um, <laughs> it's more of the, hey, how are you? Oh my God, yeah, it's so good to see you. Um, you can't, because it, all it takes is for you to breathe just a little bit and someone at work said to someone I work with, they were like, oh, be careful, your black is showing. Oof. So, wow. Right. Yeah. Ugh. So when we code switch, it's literally so that we can just stand to take up space in that. So we yeah. minimize our existence to kind of
1: um, yeah. That's a, that's a real shame, right? You know, you, what you're talking about is muting yourself, which is
2: mm-hmm. really
1: unfortunate. I mean, we've talked about this on the show that my favorite places of, of worship are black churches. Oh, man. Ooh, what a music. joyful celebration that is. Yeah. Yeah. Look, like, I I love black people. They are vibrant and wonderful and creative and charismatic. And, and you know, Zach, I, I don't mean to say this, but part of the white people thing is a, is a very mayonnaise-muted experience a lot of the times. And they I don't want people that, to be loud. It's abs- you're absolutely...
0: Right. Um, I speaking of black churches, I went to a very, very white Baptist church. So I tell people, you know, I went to a Southern Baptist church. I grew up Southern Baptist, but they have an idea of a Southern Baptist church that's rowdy. It was so boring and mm-hmm. uptight and non-joyful, and just like hymns, hymns are awesome if you sing them full throated. But they took away all the hymns because that's not fun for kids. So <laughs> you replace it with acoustic guitar, coffee shop, worship music, oh. where you just repeat one line over and over and Are we and at over. Coachella uh,
2: at church? What are
0: we doing? My, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so embarrassing. Um, oh,
2: don't be embarrassed yeah. of that, though. Don't. Don't be embarrassed.
1: <laughs> yeah, your, your word that you used that stuck out to me the most was uptight. There was a lot of uh, pretty uptight. of of uptightness that comes with living in white spaces. Well, you know? what
0: it did not feel like was it did not feel celebratory.
2: Yeah, that's like a black thing too. Right? Well, I, I think in general, I mean, you, it's Jesus Christ. Who was uh, you know the people in the Bible? Definitely, they had melanin. Just throwing at in there. But, <laughs> yes, yeah, but it's part of like being black is like you're celebrating like we have to celebrate like li- life for us is already chaotic and, and, and rough and we already we live in fear for a lot of things like whenever we're in the car like whenever we drive it's a certain way but like that's like that one place where there has to be like some form of joy like you know it has you, you know like it all has to kind of um I like the the church I grew up in was the southern baptist church and the singing it, it, you don't have to be a good singer you just have to sing you just open up your mouth and do something so it was if anything it was just like a, oh lord jesus take the wheel because some of the singing like we can tune it up a little bit but then like you would go to other baptist churches and it's like oh girl this is fire and you just sat there and i don't even know i couldn't even help. i was at a concert or if i was at church but i was like this music is just hitting." be on a spiritual level but the whole point of going to church you know was always to leave church feeling differently than the way you came in Yeah, oh, yeah. so to go That's in great. and just and to go in and to not like be and to just be you. What, like bored because I, I did that and I was like and it's not I, I don't like that I don't like feeling bored there's a lot crazy.
1: of people that go to church to flog themselves of yeah. like, man, I I lived a really vibrant life and week, and I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna beat up on myself and feel shame for what I've done.
0: And that's way to, that's ridiculous. The way to the Neil ways. describes the the second version reminded mm-hmm. me of God when you and I and Jeff Brotts talked about rock and oh yeah, everybody yeah. feeling that same frequency of the energy. I feel like if you're in the right setting in church. And everybody is on that frequency and everybody like that. What what more to the Holy Spirit is there than like, than like everybody being in tune in music.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't
0: think you need any more mysticism to it. It's just, it's just there. I'm going to say this as a blanket caveat. If I ask a stupid question, just call me out on it and, and tell me why. And then I'll go, okay, I'll learn from this. Um, OK, but I but I do have a question for you to Neil regarding okay. church and the Bible, mm-hmm. because the way it seemed to me is that throughout history, the the Bible and its doctrines have been in control of of white people. You know, they they get to say who can read it and they get to say who can mm-hmm. preach it and stuff like that. It's been that way, it seems, for thousands of years. Um, so why do you feel a kinship? To christianity when to me it seems like white people anity
2: so when slaves, when, when africans like were taken and they became slaves like they had their own gods and their masters enforced this idea of like god and like jesus on them so they you know and, and how any person of color usually um gets into Jesus Christ is like you just grow up with it. Like you your ma your grand like my grandma took her kids to church and then she took all her grandkids to church from when they were babies. Like you just you know you teach them young and they don't dwell from it. So for me it's just because it's like that's just all I've ever known. Um but then when you look at like the, the way they're just they describe him, all of his features and everything, he was not a white person. He was a person of color. Yeah. so then it's just like oh he looks like me and then it's like this is a god that looks like me i'm trying to think of how to describe it but it's like i don't feel like it's a white savior complex mm-hmm. that's happening you know um and it's because i was taught like he's not a white person so it's like oh okay that makes sense and then like you read it, it's like oh yeah he definitely wasn't white like look at his hair like he was not white um so it's not a stupid question. And this is, if I haven't made that known for me personally, this is a safe space to have questions and and stuff. And like, I'm not going to judge you for that because the whole point of this movement is that it's not just like with this, that like, this is something that we will continue fighting for. And in order to do that, like we have to make space for uh, people of color and allies and I can't educate you on everything,
0: but I can totally
2: yeah.
0: um in I fact, can that was ask one. questions.
2: You Thank can ask you. questions,
0: you know. That was um that was also one of the things. Speaking of that, um, that I've seen first of all, one when, when this started happening a couple of weeks ago, I started noticing mm-hmm. reading your posts on social media and stuff. And I actually kind of um, was I was I was very interested in your experience because you were posting so honestly about like your experience in college Mm -hmm. and one of the things that also hit me was uh you know in so many words you said i thank you for wanting to to learn and to be an ally but it is not my time to educate you and hold your hand on all of this stuff Mm as as you're absolutely right because we have like people like me who want to be allies. We have education at our fingertips. We have the entire internet and all the libraries of the world mm-hmm. at our fingertips. It's our responsibility to be doing that. Um, right. So, yeah, I I certainly don't want you to feel any pressure to like oh. educate me or anything like that or no, anybody. no,
2: no, no. It's, it, it's, it, you, I know you, and it is the, the point of saying that in that was uh in that post was, to those who don't know, it was just the post saying, like, I took some time to process everything, mm-hmm. but it got down to, for 400, over 400 years, people, like, Black people have just been saying, like, this is what we need to happen, and we, we call out, like, we, we're very vocal about, like, what needs to happen, and we often, and we're always calling out discrimination and prejudices, and we do it. My mom has done it to a Catholic at a school uh for in honor of me. Um, you know, like I have to deal with it sometimes myself head on. But we have done this like for so long. And with what's going on right now, it's so exhausting. Like the, the panic attacks that I or my friends have gone through or um just like the the emotional exhaustion of just like crying. Um, every single day and then especially now uh, there were at least like four people like black people were lynched Um, black people when they commit suicide typically they don't lynch themselves because that is like a historic thing Mm -hmm. Um, but like you know that's strange fruit was saying by billy holiday for a reason you know like that they were the strange fruit and trees but like a lot of people who have been like reaching have been reaching out to me or the people that i am surrounded with. They wanted us to like write the posts out for them, or mm. or um, because they didn't know. Like they're like, I don't know what to say. Can you just like write it for me? Or they want us to edit it. And it's whenever you advocate for yourself, or you advocate for an organization, or whatever it is. Like if you like, you're an arts manager, like I am, and you lobby for arts on the on the the hill, Capitol Hill. When you do that, in order to be authentic, in order to really, um, really like make, make an impact, Like it has to be your voice. Mm-hmm. So we can't hold your hand in that. We're not gonna write your post for you. Uh, we don't have to do that, like that's not our job. Like right now our job is us surviving and like helping our other black sisters and brothers survive. We can't write out a, okay, I'm learning. Uh, someone, not to call them out or anything and not to be awful because that's not who I am, but they went protesting and they made a sign And on the sign, they were like something like, yeah, you got to stop the oppression or stop the oppressor or whatever. But they spell the word wrong, oppressed wrong, like oppression wrong. And I just did like that little asterisk and I corrected it. And it wasn't like me being ugly. It's just like, okay, hold up. And then they were like, "Oh well, I thought it was more important to like get out there than to send like the spell check." And I'm like, "That's totally fine. I really don't care. I just wanna, I just wanna congratulate you because you don't know what oppression is to the point where you don't have to, you don't have to know how to spell it." But uh, then they like that, that person. I don't know if it was about me, but they just had like a whole story post, like two stories, like "Don't be a bully," and if you're gonna be a bully, don't do it in the comments. Like, say it to my face. And I'm like, "Honey, first of all." One, you're playing the victim and the, you are really exposing the fact that this is performance mm-hmm. ally shit because what, what, what's going on right now and this is for you, Zach, and I'm so happy that you're so open-minded and you're like taking correction or whatever. A lot of people are not accustomed to being corrected by Black people. They're mm-hmm. not because if whenever we get excited about anything, our voice, vocal inflections go up and... People are like, oh my God, you're being aggressive. And it's like, no, we're just excited. We're really passionate. So we've always been told that and we've always had to be very calm to soothe Becky and Karen in the workplace. But whenever we correct people, because people aren't used to us being like, no, now you're wrong. And now we're going to tell you why you're wrong. And so they take offense to that and they start to play the victim and then they get really, really mad. And then they, take, they have to take a break from social media because everything is so overwhelming. And it's like, well, congratulations. I am so happy that you get to escape
0: social media. You just defined white fragility. And
2: and it, yeah, and like, and you get to turn and you get to like take a step away from this, but like we don't get to do that. So whenever you're educating other people and you're advocating for us, we want you to have the right information. So whenever we correct you, it's because it, it's tough love. It's mm-hmm. out of love. It's just, look, we want you to help us. We appreciate you helping us, but you have to learn how to take this, this criticism real quick. and. There are people who have been doing it and they take the note, they apologize. We don't need your apologies half the time, but like they immediately correct it and then they keep going. That's all this is. That's that's what this movement is about. It's about learning and then working together to end this because at the end of the day, racism is a white issue. It started with white people. It's not our issue. We are just trying to survive. And it's so frustrating seeing people say oh racism isn't a thing and it's like it mm. is a thing and a lot of people haven't grasped that like they i think and i think the problem is that maybe god is that people think that this is over a hundred years ago like that racism like was it like the civil rights movement or something sure. but in actuality ruby bridges um she she like segregated a school, like she, it was segregated. She uh, integrated a school. 65
1: years ago. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Not 65. I think it was 55. She's, is that, is she's 65 now. She's 65. She's 65 now. Yeah. So that was in New Orleans. That was at only a school, 65. India, like, That's young. She's only 65 years old. And my mom is, she's going to kill me, but my mom is 55. So my mom's 10, year, 10 years younger. So my mom, when my mom went to middle school, my mom uh, was uh, it was like a group of students and they were the first black kids to my mom she was one of them they were the first black kids to go into this middle school and then my aunt was the first person like of color the black person to go to the high school and that high school is where my sister graduated from
0: so there's such a small connection yeah it's like not even 18 years time
2: yeah it was like not even 20 years between like my birth my sister's and my sister's birth and like this my mom like just integrating a school that was like in the neighborhood. So when
0: when uh, people start talking about it was over a hundred years ago, it was over 60 years ago or stuff like that. I start thinking about, I, I was really into like dashboard confessional in 2001 probably. And that's uh coming up on 20 years and I'm still really into dashboard confessional. And I still feel like that middle schooler in a lot of ways right. it, the time just time just does that it just like protracts and and comp- compresses and things like that it, it is it is it's harder for younger people to understand but as i'm getting older i'm understanding time is always a blink of an eye mm-hmm. we were talking about time and humans right. so at 100 years when you've got grandparents and parents and sisters who have, who have come, come into contact with that kind of thing. It's like, it's nothing, which is why it might as well just exist today. And it does, it does. Right. Well, it I does agree.
1: exist. And, you know, Neil, to kind of come back to what you were talking about, about mm-hmm. why people address this experience as if it were a hundred years ago and that racism is over. And the root of the problem you are all facing is you're fighting against apathy these people don't want it to exist because if it exists, it means they have to fight. And if they have to fight, they have to put their lives in danger. I mean, your story about this, this girl, you know, shows an unbelievable amount of laziness, which is just simply, she wants to help, but she doesn't want to work that hard to, to end racism. You know, how can I end racism with a tweet or a post and then go back to my regular life. And that is the key of of what is being fought right now, is Mm -hmm. getting people to care enough to put their own lives on the chopping chopping block for the sake of other people. And, And that is the reality of what is happening. People's lives are in danger every single day. And the fact that you get to choose whether or not you're in danger is the privilege part that you can go, well, I did a post and then I'm still safe in my little castle in my bubble and 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 I get to keep, life gets keep happening whether
0: I do something or not. And God, if I can piggyback on that, you also have to contend with the fact that Americans suffer from a very short attention span because of how how mediated our lives are. So you've also got to contend with the fact that this is gonna be seen by a lot of people to be a fad when it's not trending in the beginning of July.
1: There are still kids in cages right now. And there's periodical news articles about like, they're being sexually assaulted or they're dying from the pandemic. And it's just not breaking through the news cycle to be important enough for people. I mean, there's a lot of things to fight. So I understand the apathy reaction um, and and there is confusion with what to do, but we've talked about this before, which is simply do something, get get off the fence and make a choice.
2: So it's like a lot of what's happening like with the kids who are still in cages, which is just, oh my God, we have to fight white supremacy. And a lot of people are super comfortable with this and they're like, oh, well, that's not racist or anything or, or like, this was so long ago, yada, yada, yada. It's because they don't want to accept that. And then and the, why, why I call, I've been calling people out because a lot of things that people are doing are microaggressions and they're, mm-hmm. um, and it, they have to face the fact that like, they are, that colorism was a huge thing. Institutionalized racism is a thing like, um, a lot of companies preach, uh, diversity and inclusion and then you look and you have that token black person on that team and that's it like they they're not hiring people in higher uh, positions and stuff and it's not that there are no qualified black people it's you got to get them in the door and so a lot of people are like exposed like releasing receipts and like this is what our company looks like this is what we're going to do and it's like unless you're gonna start really putting people of color, like BIPOC people in higher positions and like let that trickle down, like for businesses from that standpoint, like if you want to like talk about like this whole trickle down thing, like people aren't going to want to work for a company if they don't see people that look like them in higher positions. And that's just what it is. Like you can't preach diversity and inclusion and equity and all of those things and then not actually practice what you preach. And a lot of companies do that because they figure, oh, I have this one black person right here. And like, that's totally enough. And it's not enough. Um, the college that I called out, uh, Sweet Briar College, which I probably should not name. But it's I'm gonna okay,
0: name. I'm going to name my uh, I'm gonna name them. a
2: little bit later. Yeah, so Sweet Briar College is, when I was there, the people of color that I saw, there was like one person of color, like, like maybe like two people of color in admissions. There was one person who was like the secretary for student life, like for the student life department. entire department and then everyone else was like janitors and maintenance crew Mm. and since I've left and and everything the past like within the past couple years like 2018 they finally had their first tenure track professor and she's a woman of color and she's amazing you know that's what that's what I'm hearing from people is like she is phenomenal and it's crazy because it's like because when I called when I said we need to have and and the list of demands I made for the school I said we need to have faculty of color and somebody's like, well, we have this person. And it's like, that's not enough. That yeah. is definitely not enough. You're not doing anything. Um, the theater department that I was in, oh my God. Okay. I've always wanted to be an actor right? from when I was really, really young. Uh, I got kicked out of the theater department. I got kicked out of my acting program uh, because my classmates were skinnier, prettier, taller, and better. That's what my teacher told me. Mm. So I went to college. Yeah. It was like
0: a cut. It was like a cut program. No, so. he
2: just was like, yeah. he told me that he's like, I, I don't think you're going to stand out in Chicago at Unified, so like, just go to technical theater. And I was like, no, it doesn't work like that. I'm going to go. The fuck you. I'm going to go to be an actor. And he saw me the first day of my senior year, which is year where I was supposed to go to Unified. And he, I was still in the program. And he like, and he said, what the hell are you doing here? And then he kicked me out. So anyway, so that was not high. That was high school. That wasn't even college. That was high school. Yeah. So when I was in college, so the first year right off the bat, the very first show, they did King and I, uh, but there were no Asian people in the entire school. Like, well, they were in the school, but like not in the department at all. So King of Siam was played by a white man. So that happened. And then like, he just had like some very diverse wives. That, w- But that was also the show that had the most black girls on stage my entire like time that I was there. Yeah. By the time I got to my second semester of my senior year, there were only two people on stage uh, and we were both like maybe mainly ensemble and that other person was tech the whole time she was always tech they never put on stage and then my friends because the school the, this department itself had a system a way of screwing over black girls their final or minority girls uh yeah i was wondering show. about
0: this what is this
2: so yeah so you do a senior show And your senior show, it's like you can if you're in like theater, you have to direct it, you have to cast it, you have to come up with a schedule and all that stuff. You do all the blocking, the scene set design, costume design, all that stuff. Like you are in charge, like you are literally directing a show Mm -hmm. of your choosing. And so I saw it my first year, one of my friends, she would she was crying, like they they put so much attention into the white people that they they didn't care about what the black girls did. And I was a theater major but a musical theater minor. And my friend was also a musical, she's a musical theater major. And we we're like, let's combine it. Let's just do like our own like little show. And it was going to be called Women of a Certain Age. And we we're just going to talk about, because um, it was a woman's culture. And we we're going to talk about like, just what women go through, like shit women go through.
1: Mm-hmm. We're through
2: songs, we're going to do scenes, but we're mainly going to do a heavy, like spoken word slam poetry. We wanted to be something really, really different. And my friend, so we were like, you know, thinking we're processing this. And so, we were in the room and my friend, my black friend, I love to death was sitting there and she plays softball, but she's like sitting there and she's like doing her thing. And everyone is like talking to these, the other girls like that they're dealing with. And then the head of department looks at her and goes, yo, so are you going to cast any white women in your show? And I was like, I know he did not just ask if, he gonna, if we gonna cast his favorites, because that's what it just sounded like. Oh, um, man. And she goes, and she just looked up and she goes, whoever is right for the part will be cast. Uh, and to those listeners, um, the show mm-hmm. was for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is, is uh, isn't like, is it enough? Is it enough? Is it enough? Is it enough, yes. Oh my
0: God. This is a little bit of a topic leap, but since we're talking about schools, I think it works. Um, I was, I went to this wonderful educationally and, and for me, a wonderful experience school, private school called mm-hmm. Old school in Jacksonville, Florida, prep school, really like athletic program, like academics, like all this shit, Just overwhelmingly white. I can't even imagine what life is like for a black person at that school because you're so isolated. I think there's two black teachers on staff out of like 400 so like who do you have to talk to who do you have to confide in i bring it up because today or, or like 5 days ago an instagram page came up called uh black at bowls and it is a space for black people who went to bowls to post whatever they're going to post um and it's uh, actually to post like any aggressions or microaggressions or just like any kind of racism uh perpetrated against them Immediately, just hundreds, hundreds of, of uh, alumni, anonymous people who are posting and posting. And I spent all day, don't tell my job, I spent all day reading this Instagram page, just like trying to take in everybody's experience and being like, oh shit, oh shit, I could totally see that happening. Oh shit, like, oh, they're calling out teachers, they're calling out actual students by name and things like this. And it's like, I'm glad that it exists. I'm not glad that it has to exist. But I'm glad that that exists because I think that my school is like, it it has to look at itself so, so hard in the mirror because it's a rich white Southern school.
2: I think, though, I think a lot of school, you know, in telling these stories, you would still be surprised how many people. Will do their best to negate that experience, and mm. they're like, "Oh, that didn't happen. That didn't happen when I was there. We didn't. Our tap club didn't do the slave for a day auction." And it's like, "I never said that you did it. I just said that it happened." You know, and so they do that, and I, and it sucks that this has to happen. But but like, we're in a unique position right now because of COVID, and people are stir crazy, but also because like this is we're tired. You know, of this happening. Um, we're in this unique position where now is the time where we can hold people accountable because at the end of the day, no one, like people are still in quarantine. So the world is literally watching everything that you do right now (laughs) and we are paying attention and people don't realize that like black people hold a lot of power. Uh, and where they put the where they put their money and where they choose not to put their money, like because like Starbucks has already screwed itself over. Yes. They so, and then like tried to redeem it and it's like I'm sorry, Starbucks. I love my strawberry side lemonade refresher, light ice. <laughs> you know, um, no strawberries. But didn't you learn from when you called the police on the black people last time not to mm. do this shit and you did it anyway and and because of that you'd be amazed how many people in like my friend group are well I guess we're not going to Starbucks the cancel culture is so real some of it i'm like might be excessive but in some places it's like you know what we're going to have to give back to our own and that's like you know at the end of the day i think that a lot of schools in general got to get their shit together yeah. cuz that's the institutionalized racism the microaggressions and all that like the things that people say like um and and how they are with students of color, like it, it, it's it's colorism, you know, like they uplift one race and the entire other, a completely other one. It's just like eh, whatever. And you there's all, and, it's
0: compounded with this like bro culture because if you get any, you're a kid, right? You're young, you're just, mm-hmm. just don't not thinking about what you're saying, and you get laughter out of you know your guy friends and your girlfriends and. So that means it works. That means you keep going and you keep saying racist jokes and shit like that. Until someone calls you out. Until someone calls you out. And then, you know, if you haven't done the work of like, okay, I'm going to take criticism, then you get defensive, just like you're talking about. I feel like that happens way more often is that you just get people get defensive. And I think it's because it takes a lot of work to know yourself emotionally to be like confident enough to grow.
2: You would be amazed how many white people look for excuses and for reasons to be oppressed. And a lot of this is like why, like why they can't really stand with us is because equality for them, like black people mattering, feels like oppression to them. It's like, oh, we're not going to matter as much. And like Ashton Kutcher said it best. He said um, to his son, you know, like he told his son, he said, hey, look, for us, girls go first because for some guys, girls don't get to go at all. And he said, and you know what? black people matter to us because for some people, and he like literally was crying. He goes, you know, black people never mattered, and that's what it comes down to. Like black people just don't matter, and white people are used to like every like Eurocentric, the Eurocentric ideal of beauty. Like that's what people live to, and so now they're like, oh, black girls gotta like bleach their skin. You have to be lighter, and and like this, and. Honestly, I don't know how to make people get it. Like, Beyonce is black. Like, her life matters to a lot of white people, okay? Yeah. Like, people love Beyonce. <laughs> like, God, y'all, Beyonce is black, okay? Um, and I even told someone, I said, y'all, do, like, people know that Cameron voice, may he rest in peace because I love and adore him, he was a black boy. He was, he's a little black boy. He was in Descendants. He was in um, Grown Ups with uh, Adam Sandler. He's mixed. Like, you know, his dad's side, like, they're black and, and stuff. And it's like, you oh, if you love them, you can love us all, you know, mm-hmm. um, and there's, and you don't lose anything by well, having us matter.
1: Well, I mean, in their emotional experience, they are losing, you know, like they, they don't get to have advantages all the time. And that, that's where a lot of resistance comes from. You know, I love this idea that people are going around with the, uh, reforming the police experience and, Part of the reason why it's so important is it's actually really good for the police because everyone gets to have a clean slate and relearn new behaviors, um, not try to work uphill and change old behaviors. Uh, so, best analogy I can give you um, let's say you're in a partnership and you don't like doing the dishes. All right. This is a very oversimplification, but that's what we're going to go with. You don't like doing the dishes. And one day, you don't do the dishes, and your partner doesn't say anything. And so you don't have to do the dishes. You don't lose anything. And in fact, you gain some more time. So you're like, that's great. And then the next day, you don't do the dishes. Your partner doesn't say anything. You don't face any accountability. So what you have built in your brain is a fast track a great pattern where you lose nothing and you have an easy out. And adding in what you were saying, Zach, about people broing out over stuff, let's also add to that that you got a group of friends, your fellow police officers that are like, dude, way to go, way to go, way to not do the dishes. You're a real man now because you didn't do the dishes. And yeah, then one code. day, yeah, exactly. And then one day somebody comes to you and says, hey, your partner says, hey, I want you to do the dishes. Now in that person's mind, they're like, what the fuck? You want me to start doing dishes now? That's some bullshit. I ain't never done the dishes. I don't want to do the dishes. I'm not about to spend time doing the dishes. Now, you can give them all the facts why they should share the weight, why it's good, and they would agree with you that if they were in the other person's shoes, they wouldn't want to do the dishes either. But in their mind, what you are asking in their mind is that they just lose. That now all of a sudden, they lose the time that they saved, they have to do a task they don't like to do, and they look weaker in front of their bros. And that is the thing that, that we are all facing right now in this battle, is trying to get these people to do the dishes. now. It's one thing to ask them in that same relationship to start doing the dishes. They'll go, okay, I'll try. Oh, I'll start working. I'll take eight hours of doing the dishes, you know, counseling and I'll work to do it better. Or they get into a new relationship and that relationship from day one says, you fucking do the dishes, (laughs) right? From day one, you are held accountable and it is actually easier for them to make that change so this whole practice of changing your belief around how police should be functioned is not only phenomenal for all the people whose lives are going to be saved it's also phenomenal for the police who should not be having to deal with all the things they deal with they're not equipped to deal with you know mental illness cases where they show up
0: oh certainly you know, not so any kind things. of any kind of mental counseling or emotional yeah. services or anything like that I, I am so for this, like reallocating funds to to like right. therapists and and you know education I, I don't know. It, uh, education, yeah. yeah. How about you make it a team
1: effort? Do you know what I mean? If you want to have a police officer show up even to a domestic violence suit, have one police officer and one therapist go to that call. There's no reason to have two cops with guns there who both don't know what the hell they're doing. You know what I mean? You know what's oh. fucked up that I looked up today.
0: It takes if you want to join the LAPD after no, you fill out your not. background report, yeah. it takes you twenty three weeks of training. You know what that is? That's a semester. Mm. It, if you go to an acting conservatory, you're going to be there for three years At to least. learn how to speak properly uh-huh, in front you, of people or Did if you, you want, want to do something
2: learn yeah. how to call. No, it takes you 23 weeks at like a, like a conservatory like pig iron to just like learn how to fall like paper, you know?
1: Did you go yeah. to pig
0: iron
2: in Philadelphia? No, I wish, but I did work with a company that uh, went to pig iron. Pig irons, they're, they're
0: oh. fun. I always
1: All right, right team, I well, listen, that. we, like we got about five minutes left of recording. Oh. So let's jump into something that is last words, last thoughts, things that we want to leave the world with thinking.
2: I do know, like, if you want to say, if you're saying that you support us, if you want to be with us and all that stuff, I would love to see the work that you do to educate yourself, to educate the people around you, to check the people around you, to start telling your grandma, like, hey, yo, man, like, that ain't cool. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the time for that. You know, like, this is the time to hold the entertainment and the arts and culture industry accountable what they did this is the time you know for people to start casting black people um in things because we know if i have to deal with emma whatever her name is saying how hard it is to be an asian woman or scarlett johansson whom I love Mm -hmm. is black widow but she can't even pronounce moscow right um this is the time for you to like really start doing the thing if you say you're for us you got to be for us everyone wants to go to the cookout like y'all this is the cookout we're in it. Right. So if you're going to be in there, what you bring is son.
1: Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I like that you just did a, a mic drop. You literally, <laughs> you finish your sentence and then you turn your microphone off. You're like, I'm done. That's all that needs mute. to be said. Good for and you. Zoom. Oh my God.
0: Um, I'll tell you uh, one thing. I know we have to go in a second, but uh, the
1: something that's to.
0: David Foster Wallace I don't think was the first person who said this anecdote but he was giving this speech at Kenyon College commencement and it was this anecdote about two fish who are swimming along in the ocean and an older fish comes by them and says hey boys how's the water today and they swim past him and a little bit later one fish turns to the other and goes what the hell is water
2: <laughs> and so i felt like
0: i was that fish and i have been kind of awoken to the water around me, which was this, this institutional racism that was invisible to me. Obviously it's humbling and stuff, but it's also like, it, it's it's energizing to have these calls to action and to be able to dive headfirst into black culture and like educate myself. And I, you know, it, it feels purposeful and, and rewarding. Um, So I hope people feel that way and and stay energized going forward. Yeah. Scott, how are you feeling?
1: Well, I mean, listen, uh, I watch human beings struggle with very basic shit all the time. Um, I'm hopeful. I am hopeful that this movement that is building a lot of momentum right now is going to create a huge change. It already is making a lot of changes. You know, one of the things that I struggle with with dealing with people is that you choose to have these problems. And I don't mean the you, every individual. I mean, people uh, are making the choice, meaning that your leaders right now could end homelessness. You could end racism. you could you know end police brutality. You could end you know the private health care and all that uh, stuff. You could have universal health care. You can fix all your problems almost overnight, but you actively choose not to. People work very, 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 very hard not to ever make progress. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Confederate flag is a weird thing, man. Like, not only are they holding on to that five years of history, but that they, they lost and they lost really badly. And it's <laughs> not a good symbol of anything. It's a good symbol of the worst parts of everyone's decisions at a given point in history. And they're like, I don't know, that's my culture. And, and yeah, it, it, people fear change. They, they so often choose the devil that they know, which is why I will come back and say, apathy is the monster that you are fighting. And you must continue to inspire those people to put their own lives on the line, to let them, make them understand that it is their fight. That when people talk about, uh, you know, one vote doesn't it matter. It's act as if you are the one voice that is going to say the one thing that creates a tidal wave of change. Because we have seen the power of one person, we have seen it so many times. And if you don't believe in the power of one person's ability to infect the planet, look at Donald Trump. That guy is a catastrophe in every Every sense of the word, and guess what—he has affected history by complete, goddamn accident. He is
0: covering her.
1: I know. Right now. Look, nobody Donald is Trump, more upset about him than than me. As you if know, Donald what I mean? Trump
0: was the coronavirus. itself. it's so uh,
1: oh god, it's a nightmare. Every day is a nightmare because of that one guy. Around I was doing the so great until you brought
0: him up, you shouldn't have brought him up. Well, we
2: gotta end No, we're gonna
0: have nightmares. Okay. <laughs> we all will.
2: I, 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 have you guys heard Let America Be American Again? Let uh, America Be America Again by Langston Hughes? No. May I
1: read it? Please. I'd love I love it. I love it. I wanna close with this beautiful reading. Go ahead, take it away, Denise. Now
2: I'm nervous now. Okay. Um, Let America Be America Again by Langston Hughes. Let America Be America Again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer of, on the plain seeking a home where he himself is free. America never was America to me. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. Let it be that sh- great strong land of love where never kings connive nor tyrants scheme, that any man be crushed by one above. It never was America to me. Oh, let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity is real and life is free. Equality is in the air we breathe. There's never been equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of the free. Say, who are you that mumbles in the dark? And who are you that draws your veil across the stars? I am the poor white fooled and pushed apart. I am the Negro bearing slavery scars. I am the red man driven from the land. I am the immigrant clutching the hope I seek and finding only the same old stupid plan of dog eat dog, of mighty crush the weak. I am the young man full of strength and hope, tangled in that ancient endless chain of profit, power, gain. Of grab the land, of grab the gold, of grab the ways of satisfying need, of work the men, of take the pay, of owning everything for one's own greed. I am the farmer, bondsman to the soil, I am the worker, sold to the machine, I am the negro servant to you all, I am the people, humble, hungry, mean, hungry yet today, despite the dream, beaten yet today, O pioneers. I am the man who never got ahead, the poorest worker battered, bartered through the years. Yet I am the one who dream, dreamt our basic dream in the old world while still a serf of kings, who dreamt a dream so strong, so brave, so true, that even yet it's mighty daring sings and every brook, brick and stone and every furrow turned that's made America the land it has become. Oh, I am the man who sailed those early seas in search of what I meant to be my home. For I'm the one who left dark Ireland's shore and Poland's plain and England's grassy lea, and torn from black Africa's strand, I came to build a homeland of the free, the free. Who said the free? Not me, surely not me the millions on relief today, the millions shot down where we strike, the millions who have nothing for our pay for all the dreams we've dreamed and all the songs we've sung and all the hopes we've held and all the flags we've hung, the millions who have nothing for our pay except the dream that's almost dead today. Oh, let America be America again. The land that never has been yet, and yet must be, the land where every man is free. The land that's mine, the poor man's, Indians, Negroes, me, who made America, whose sweat and blood, whose faith and pain, whose hand at the foundry, whose plow in the rain, must bring back our mighty dream again. Sure. Call me any ugly name you choose. The steel of freedom does not stain. From those who live like leeches on the people's lives, we must take back our land again. America. Oh, yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me. And yet I swear this oath. America will be out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies. We the people must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains, and the endless plain, all, all the stretch of these great green states and make America again.
1: I would clap if I had hands.
2: It is okay.
1: That was wonderful. I was
2: like, I have so many other poems. I could have done that were Shorter.
1: No, that's great.
0: I, oh my gosh. What a, what a gift. I got, it's a Wednesday night and I just got to hear Teneal Williams recite poetry to me. Good night. That is a good mm. night, God.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No. Oh my god. Can't gosh. be dead. Um, oh Danielle, Thank
0: you. Thank you for guys doing for doing giving me
2: a space. Thank Absolutely. you for
0: giving me a safe space. It's our pleasure. Thank you for your generosity with your time and, you know, with just everything that you've said. This, is, this has been really cool. God? It's yeah. a pleasure. Can I yeah, ask so. something real quick?
1: Oh, my God. Please do. Okay. What's up?
0: Are
2: you there, God? It's me, Margaret.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I am. Okay. Well, is there it, is it more to it? I mean, I am. Yeah. I'm there. How, no.
0: Margaret. How proper to end a podcast with a period?
1: Hmm. Hmm.